And there we go. Simple as that. The podcast has started. You don't need to. <laughs> you don't need to adjust your app. We've actually begun. Um, <laughs> now, uh, when this gets released, there's probably is there a gap because we uh, we've taken a bit of a gap in recording. Yeah, it's been a well, been a few weeks. What actually? Once this starts releasing, when we get to here, this should be the third in a continuous weekly release again. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we we are still in the middle of our gap. Yeah, yeah. we have fallen into the gap. Yeah, mind the gap? No, we didn't. We didn't mind the gap. We got fully <laughs> we stuck mean. in it. Yeah. So like. <laughs> real life and there were some current events way back when this was recorded that that kind of uh kicked our butts uh here and there but you know it's 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 good to be back at recording even though again no gap for you guys listening to it you guy yeah, <laughs> yeah. in the middle of this month-long series yeah a continuous series that you are all clearly listening to we are now apologizing for the gap that came yeah. two weeks prior to this. <laughs> good to be back. <laughs> it's like halfway through a concert. Oh, it's good to be back. If we peek behind what? the curtain here, recording the first two episodes of this took us two months. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it feels like it. It's like when I was asking you, what, what are we recording today? So we're doing this part. Yeah. I feel like we've done that. And I yeah, feel like last, last time I asked you that, I'd already <laughs> felt like we did that. Yep. Because last time... Before before we recorded episode two, you were like, "Okay, do you have ideas for a topic?" I'm like, "We got we got to finish, yeah, finish the topic." The we, topic we talked, yeah. and then today you're like, "Hey, you got ideas for what a topic? What are we talking about? Are we? Is, and so do I we told do a podcast?" <laughs> and you're like, "I feel like we finished that already, didn't we?" <laughs> it feels ways, very yes. much like we finished it. In some ways, we did, but unfortunately, Adventure Assemble needs to continue. Fortunately. Yeah, I've well, got. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to doing some adventure assembling. I wonder if maybe in the future we'll do like one entire episode just adventure assemble. See how far we can get away with not actually planning <laughs> anything and just literally rolling on <laughs> random charts for an entire uh, for an entire hour. I I may or may not cut this out, but I had had a thought actually mm -hmm. of reaching out to people on RPG Crossing, and be like, hey, if you got a mic, um, we need to do some filler stuff, and I don't want to put more on King Monkey. So here's my days. If you can make time, let's all just record some random stuff that I will throw into Adventure Assemble. Oh, get some <laughs> voice acting for enemies or something. Well, either, even, either that or just find some of our favorite random tables and be like, okay, we're going to make some new dragons because we've yeah. discovered what dragon lore is like. Let's put some more in the world that we can discover. Yeah. Things like that. I wonder, and maybe if we get ever, ever get around to sort of cementing like a, a concrete database of what's going on in this world, we might end up yeah. expanding on the lore, see if other people have interesting ideas to contribute as well. Probably not. Yeah. If they had interesting yeah, ideas, not. they'd already be on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you were better uh, than us, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. So really, this is your fault. I mean, this could that have been, has you. been our stance from day one, <laughs> that any issues are your fault. <laughs> really, you're just enabling us at this point. Yeah, pretty much. You're enabling us to not release this podcast for a few months. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if we have any ideas for topics to talk about today. Ah, you know, I figured we'd just, you know, BS for a while and then adventure assemble. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm on board. I think before then, though, we do have an obligation 
each time we release an episode to do our random noun of the week. Yeah. Oh, it's a noun is he just like nonstop. Do my thing. Yeah. Do the thing. I'm paying you guys lots of money to do the thing. I'm going to send on, some people over to break your legs. Yeah. I'm like read the contract. It says only when the episodes release, we did not specify a release schedule. You need to read better. <laughs> stop. We're locked in. We aren't. Stop threatening to send people <laughs> to rearrange my knees. It's a weird yeah. threat. It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't work because I have two left feet anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I have more knees than you can, than you possibly want to deal with. Really? Oh, I wonder if you could like many body, you know, broad body part monster, the many need one, the many elbow. Oh, one, yeah. Many wristed one. <laughs> yeah, the I could. Yeah. Finger. Really? That only works with certain body parts like uh, mouthed uh, eyes, hands, fingers, toes, fingers, ears, ears would work. Mm, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, I mean your uh, perception but, checks would be off the charts. But I mean, beyond that, the many-hearted, the many-livered. I mean, they made a whole sci-fi series off many-hearted. I mean, it's only two, but it's more than one. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, uh, some of the... many internal organs. That'd be a weird thing. <laughs> it I is Grandor. Grandor, the many-buttocked. And then, would it be many of the same heart or many different types of heart? Would you have like a human heart and a cow heart and a horse heart and a snake heart? Like, Just like a cluster of hearts that branches out of your back. There's some weird Cronenberg body horror going on. <laughs> I'm getting some ideas for some future future things to add to my campaign. <laughs> <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> All of this yeah, I, I will need, claim as my own. I need more things, to, horrible things to throw at people. <laughs> um, okay, so let me get your word. Yeah. Actually, do you have a die? Because this is the one where you got to Oh, I... I need a d12. I do, actually. If I open this beautiful Persian box that was given to me, and I I've got... If I open this browser tab... <laughs> seven. On my, seven! It's kind of like a green and with dark green speckles and white numbering on it nobody still nobody cares (laughs) you say that you haven't seen the fan club (laughs) yeah monkey dice (laughs) monkey dice.org give monkey dice money.org all right your word is radiate radiate wait that's not a word that's not a noun that's a verb what it's a verb it's a verb Oh. Well, I guess we'll go with that because I'm too lazy to click to another tab. Yeah. To click the drop down and then click the next thing. Oh, no. Thank it you. sounds like an awful lot of clicking. Yeah, um, my finger's tired just thinking about it. So use radiate in a sentence and we'll move on. Simi thought of clicking on the drop down menu, but the, even the idea caused pain to radiate throughout his fingers. <laughs> You're just the guy that, that narrates other people's lives around you, don't you? <laughs> that would be... <laughs> That does sound like something I would do, actually. And now we'll move on to the main topic. I think Simi will introduce it, and then I shall retort. It will be nonsensical. King King Monkey narrated even further, and Simi grated visibly. (laughs) Monkey could see Simi reaching for the rolled-up newspaper to express his displeasure in a physical fashion. Monkey, do run away. (laughs) See King right, Monkey so Run. We we have been talking about player characters and mm-hmm. all the things that go into making them. We started with just how to go about it and why you would make a character. 
And that included things that you've already listened to. So I'm not going to recap them because clearly I remember them. I remember them. Clearly. We all remember them. I remember them so well that I don't even feel like touching on it whatsoever. Yeah. If we repeat stuff, it's just because we want to emphasize it. Mm -hmm. Not because it has been two months since we recorded that particular episode. And in this case, we feel we emphasized it adequately. We're done. Let's move on. So then we talked about your story and your mechanical considerations. Which one is more important? (laughs) Spoiler alert for the episode you already listened to. <laughs> if you get listen to this without listening to that, shame on you. Go back. I, yeah. I will wait. You, yeah, I mean, you're gonna if you watch it out of order, you're gonna be spoiled. There's gonna be spoilers. The the plot just won't make sense. Yep. It, it's just like it's just like Sixth Sense. Like the plot won't make sense if you know that he's already dead. Or it's like watching Lost season six in order. You won't understand what's going on. <laughs> the plot won't make sense if you know that. It exists. That it doesn't make sense, and it's not going to make sense, <laughs> and stop trying to make it make sense. But yeah, spoiler alert, both are important to varying degrees depending on your end goals, but both are important, and both are things you should consider to some degree. So today, we're going to continue that, and we're going to talk about not just building your character in isolation, which can be dangerous. You can come up with a cool character that you're in love with that just doesn't fit. So, King Monkey, yeah, Go. All right. So what you want to do is connect your character to the world. Thank and you. As this has been my TED talk. Restates That's it. I feel I've it's I time for. <laughs> all right. So I mean, let's uh, take a look at a couple of ways to connect it. First of all, most importantly, you've got the other players, and second of all, most importantly, you've got the world that the character is now inhabiting. Is, are of, one of those more important than the other? Both of them are more important than the other. Okay, perfect. I'm glad yeah. we're clear on that. So, uh, well, let's take it from the uh, the standalone port of the world that you're setting the character in. So, you clearly uh, are going to have to be familiar to some extent with the with the game setting, or at least a part of the game setting, to the extent that it's appropriate for your character. At least... At minimum, I would say the part that the story begins in, you want to have some familiarity with. If you're coming from somewhere else, you want to know that, obviously, but at a bare minimum, you need to know where you're starting. Maybe some broad overviews of of the larger world. And then after that, it's going to largely depend on the type of character. If your character is, um, you know, a common farmer or a factory worker with minimal education, their world is going to be, you know, from here to the factory. And that's pretty much all that's important, right? Maybe little bits that they get blasted over the news feeds uh, or from the town crier, but uh, their world would largely be pretty well contained. So you would want to make sure that your character has a firm grasp on that, or even that you have a firm grasp on that, it, let's say your character is particularly dumb or something like that, like a low intelligence score, you at least need to understand the world that the character inhabits in order to react to it appropriately. For Izzy. So yeah, you're going you're gonna to start with the world. And you know, part of that's contingent on the class that you choose or uh, the archetype or what, what have you. you know, as you choose your mechanics and as the, you build out the story, it kind of creates obvious connection points. If your character is a wizard, uh, did they learn at uh, a wizarding school? 
maybe Did they have a mentor. Maybe that's your connection. Maybe there's someone out there who instructed you or a place where you learned. And that creates an obvious point of connection. Yeah, I think the way I tend to approach it is I will scan over what's available. And I think I've said this in one of our early ones when we're talking about making applications. But I'll scan over what's available and then see if I come up with character ideas. Once I think I have an idea, I'll go back and look for obvious connections, just like you said. And if there's not an obvious connection, or if there's an obvious one, but I don't like it, I'll be like, okay, I will either go to the person requesting the game, the person running the game, depending on the situation, and say, I have this idea. Will that work in your world as you see it? I know it's not what you've presented, but it seems to not run counter to anything. Even if it does run counter to it, does it run counter in a logical way? Um, my, yes. I, I played a, not long ago in an um, OD&D game uh, that a friend of mine was running in real life. And uh, they did not have an elf. You know, it's basically sort of first edition rules where elf is your mm-hmm. race slash class. And mm-hmm. I chose elf. Uh, the elves in that world were very noble, haughty, uh, typical D&D high elf type yeah. kingdom. Right. And Mm -hmm. my character was specifically counter to that. My character is an elf who came to the conclusion that elven society was stunted and had stagnated, watching humans evolve over the past centuries, whereas elves, due to their long nature, uh, long lived nature, they basically uh, got set in their ways as an entire society. And he felt that they had stopped evolving and he felt it was important for elves to stop being so elfly in order to have any chance of succeeding in the long run. Yeah. You know, as I, as you talk about that and I started thinking about the, the riffs character I recently made, like his race is supposed to be very community oriented, very peaceful. Yeah. And I like that idea, but what really gelled for me was, Oh, well, maybe he got ostracized from his people for, you know, a thing that he had no control over. And in his desire to bridge that gap, he actually went too far. They they decided to exile him completely, like basically treat him as a non-member of the race. Mm-hmm. And that forced him to pick up skills that are basically against his racial norms. Yeah. So he's picking up combat skills, even though his race is peaceful, because it makes sense in this way. And I think... I think some of your best characters in general will be finding that thing that breaks with the norm of some aspect of them. But it's kind of like music or, you know, good mm, music yes. or good art in that you can't just break the rules for the sake of breaking the rules. You right. have to understand the structure or the norms or the rules in order to break them in an appropriate way. Um, yes. If you want to look at the almost archetypal example of that, Drizzt Doerden from Forgotten <laughs> Realms. Taken on his own initially, he was the exception. And yes. that was why he worked. When every subsequent D&D player basically played a chaotic good uh, Dark Elf after that, you're breaking the rules with basically to emulate someone else breaking the rules without understanding what rules were being broken and why. So your connection to the world was basically someone else's connection. And I'm going to just put a disclaimer here. We are not saying Dark Elves should always be all evil. We are saying in that instance, the way things were presented, 
you were breaking with things a certain way for the wrong reasons, essentially, or for not understanding the reasons, I guess would be a better way of saying it. Yeah, for sure. This is not any in any way to say a race should be labeled as evil. I personally think that is a dumb thing. We, I think it's, we've taken that stance yeah. on this podcast. I mean, it's it's limited. It's so limited. Yes, yes. They, yeah. they can all have proclivities. You know, they can all have tendencies towards violence or towards torture. But if that that's doesn't sort of the cultural norm. Evil. Sure. Yeah, because like you could be good, and part of your thing is you you purify the body by inflicting pain on yourself. It that's morally ambiguous depending on who you are. Yeah, the elves in my homebrew world are good in that they are protecting the world and they did for many generations and many centuries by conquering every other race because the other races could not be trusted to treat nature with the appropriate respect. I mean, heck, that's the whole basis for Avatar The Last Airbender. The Fire Nation originally started not with bad intentions, but they had something good they wanted to share. We, we have a system that works. We are more advanced. We want to bring that to the world. And it was the conflict of, no, you can't do that. You can't force people to do this that elevated them from a conflicted wanting to do good to I'm going to impose my will. And it kind of translated through generations into right. I should be the leader of the world because I'm the best, which is very cool when you think of it that way. When you just think of it as, oh, yeah, Fire Nation evil. But it's not that way. It's one person making these choices and putting out rhetoric. So it's a question of knowing the rules that you're breaking in order to break them properly. Like you can do all kinds of things in music, for example, that don't work and it will be awful. But you know, you have every once in a while, those truly gifted musicians who do a thing that shouldn't work, but they know when and how and to what degree to do it. And that's why it works. Yes, jazz soloists are the perfect example of this because... There's plenty of garbage jazz out there, but then there yes. are those people who do a thing and they're like, that shouldn't work, but it absolutely does. And and that comes from a deeper understanding of what you're doing because I, I studied that and it was very hard for me to figure out because you have specific th ways, the specific notes that harmonize well with the band and... If you understand how all that works, you can actually kind of take two or three steps away, end up with slightly off notes that clash in the right way. Because mm -hmm. they're clashing in music and in storytelling is not bad, but you have to clash the right way. Yeah, yeah. Conflict, it's conflict. <laughs> the right kind of conflict can elevate a story, just like the right kind of conflict can elevate the sound of the music you're listening to. So, I mean, in order to do that, again, it's bo uh, double back to you have to know the appropriate extent of the setting or the culture or what have you in the game for your character. Yes. And I think I think when it comes to specifically play-by-post on RPG Crossing, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a delicate balance. I think you can spend too much time tying your character into something that you may not get into. Yeah. So I understand, and I think... I think, again, when we talked about our apps, I talked about kind of generally connecting yourself. And then if you get accepted, making those connections firmer, working all that out. So it's definitely something you should totally do. Yeah. But the the amount you do it depends on the situation you're in. And don't always assume that everything that you put in your character uh, application is going to be, end up being relevant to the game either. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's tools that can be used but doesn't mean you have to use every tool right mm -hmm. now i i will i actually just had this come up last night i was playing a game in, in person actually and 
they've been they keep getting caught on various little things, little details that and they're extrapolating them to mean other things. And one of those early in the game, one of the characters stole a book that was basically recording their life story. Okay. And they they tried to take that cuz they're like I don't want them to know what I'm doing. I don't know what know about me. But since then, he's decided to start writing generalized versions of his abilities into that book. And he just keeps reminding me about this or I ask him like, Hey, are you doing this still? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm still doing that every day. And so I had a conversation with him last night. You know, he keeps telling me about it and I'm like, Hey, I just want you to know I am making note of that. That is, I, I'm glad you keep reminding me because it shows it's important to you. Mm-hmm. And so it will play a role. It may not be a major role. It may not be the role you expect, but because you are very specific on this, because you are locked in on this, I want you to know I also, as the game master, am caring about that because you're showing interest in it. Yeah. So when you create things, this is why it's important not to go too crazy because your GM should look at what you've done and say, oh, that would be a cool thing to pull out or I'd like to bring that person in. But if you put too much out there, no amount of doing that will make you feel like they've connected you fully to your backstory. So you've got a it's a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, so the world, the setting. Um, the world. Beyond that, uh, the other thing that's also most important is then how you connect to the other players' characters. Mm-hmm. Now, you, of course, you don't have to have connections with any or every player in the game, not specifically. Yeah, I find it helps to um, it helps to kick off the game if a substantial number of people already have some level of connection with one another. Because that way you can skip over the you meet in a tavern section of whatever game it is, right? Especially in play-by-post, that is super important because those kind of interactions can take a long time. So it's important to have some level of common point of connection, whether it be one one degree of separation, two or three, whether it's just a, oh, yeah, we both use the same black market seller for things, or, you know, we both get our jobs from this person, so we've run into each other, or we both went after the same mark once, and, you know, that we, we kind of just had a friendly rivalry over that, and then whoever killed him first, we just kind of gave him a nod and said, I'll get him next time. Yeah. You know, any of those kind of things can be super helpful. Just to move the plot party along. Party cohesion. Yeah, yeah. It, you presuppose that your characters have this level of, um, if not camaraderie, then at the very least uh, ability to work together, and then you can get on with the actual game. Because um, I mean, if you think about it, if you were playing in real life, the the traditional thing is that you're playing with friends, where you don't have to go through all of that because you already know each other as players, and you can sort of jump into knowing each other as characters, and you kind of have to make that step in the game with players you don't know make a bit of effort to connect your players uh, your your characters you know mm-hmm. and and it's it's also i think it's also important that you have something like that because otherwise you can run into the the whole thing where there's no reason my character would work with that person you know if you bring a if you bring an evil character to a party with a paladin like that's obvious friction it can work but there has to be a built-in reason why it works. And that sort of doubles back to one thing that you said, find the one reason that your character would agree. Yeah. So you know. so if you if you start at that point, you have to work backwards. Okay, well, maybe this person's under a compulsion, or maybe this person always has an item that doesn't let them register as evil, or maybe this paladin has actually been charged by their deity to work in this towards this goal. And 
that's the one caveat here. If you're working towards a s- similar goal, you're allowed to stay with them for that purpose. And maybe in that process, you can one of you will change more than the other. Yeah. Um, in, the, in one of the games that I'm playing uh, in real life now, uh, online, uh, sorry, like uh, through Zoom at this point, my character is a halfling fey warlock, kind of a trickster type character. Um, you know, you have to imagine the the typical plucky halfling, but then raised by fairies. So it's kind of like halfling turned up to 11. One of the other party members is uh, a paladin, a halfling paladin of conquest. And that character is, you know, very straight laced, very by the book. But we found the reason that, the, you know, there's any number of reasons these characters would not work well together, but we've chosen to make them work together. Um, in that specific instance, I actually... Um, did not connect my character with the other characters, not in a substantial way. Um, They had a couple of characters who knew each other, some that were related. My character was literally just that weirdo that had recently moved into town and people knew of her, but didn't know her personally. And it was literally just they know of her was the connection that we started with. (laughs) And, you know, she sort of knew of them. And honestly, it can be as simple as that. And like, it just needs to be a sort of uh, a buy-in on behalf of the players to find a way to make a connection work on some level with the other players. And it just, especially in play by post, it helps to smooth things on, uh, smooth things over in those early stages, which can be so crucial to just getting the game going. Yeah, I, I've been in a couple application threads, and some of them, you know, they will say, once characters are selected, we'll work together to figure out how the group came together. Some of them will say, you know, give me, pick out three other applicants and tell me how you might be connected to them, just as a show that, oh, here's here's how I think, you know, I could be connected. It's, it's also another way of exploring your character, so it's yeah. a neat way of doing that. Um, I personally always tell a group, before I run a game, I'm like, the rules are X, Y, Z. And my only caveat when you're picking your characters is that they have to be able to work as part of a group. And we're starting the game together and you have to be ready to work as this group. Like, I don't care how you figure it out. We can work that out as we go, but that needs to be your focus going in. You will be working as part of a group. So don't make a character that will not work as part of a group or will not work with certain kinds of people. Yeah, and even if those characters, like, it doesn't even mean that your characters need to like the other player characters. Oh, for sure. You know, you can genuinely dislike this person, but you have to find that one reason that your evil warlock works with this Jedi, you know? Why are this warlock and Jedi working together? On a number of levels, that doesn't make sense. So make it work. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's And if... It's 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 just setting the expectation as the game master and as a player, it's being willing to yes and or okay yes but because that is important. You know, you you hear a True. lot of yes, you hear man. a lot of things with people where where you say oh you should always yes and in role play, and I think that's wrong. You shouldn't always yes and. I think you should ideally try to, but I guess well, it doesn't you, always work. You you shouldn't always yes and because no one should be able to dictate things about a game. I think narrative focused games get this idea right better where it's a dialogue. Maybe one person has more say. So in this case, maybe one character is the one making the choice, but the people around you have a say and 
as a player, you should at least consider it and listen to it. You know, if you're going to cold murder someone and your player, your, your team's around you saying, Hey, you know, if you do that, we're going to kill you. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, they wouldn't do that because I'm part of their team. You know, you can't say what other people are going to do. And they're telling you, you would understand this having worked with our, our players. That's a lot of times. I actually just listened to a, a podcast where they were talking about, should your players have time to make decisions? Should they be able to crosstalk? And my opinion on that has always been, your character has much different knowledge and experience than you do. Mm-hmm. So one person is basically incapable of being that character. They may be running that person, making the final decisions, but I always let the table take time, think through their decisions. Other players, I had it last night or a player was like, I don't want to, I don't want to influence him too much. It has to be his decision. I'm like, no, no, yeah. his, his character knows things that he doesn't you may have a perspective that he would have have your crosstalk that helps every character be a more fully realized character oh yeah especially uh in my case where i've got um new players and you know it's like reminding them oh by the way your character has alchemy you know alchemist tools you know how to uh to deal with potions or find out you know that sort of thing Mm -hmm. it could be as simple as reminders or in the case where I have uh, some in the kids game that I'm playing, reminding the kids that your character knows all kinds of stuff about military procedures and mm-hmm. you would be able to, your character would actually be able to recognize what type of unit these guys belong to uh, just by observing their behavior, you know? Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where I, I think going back to one of our pre-recording discussions where, where game balance can actually put people in a wrong mindset. If, if, you know, I have to roll a knowledge to get this. I'm like, not always. And it's not the same, you know, it's not just a static DC because knowledge wise, your character from a military background mm. is going to have an easier time pulling certain information up in their brain. Certain stuff that's been drilled into them through history lessons yeah. uh, or, you know, whatever has been hardwired into their brain. Sure. Yeah, or like your rogue character who has built themselves as a thief who always is, you know, selling stuff back, making money, buying new stuff. Like just because you don't have a ton of points in something that gives you black market connections, right. you might recognize the signs that you're not amazing at it, but mm-hmm. there is inherent knowledge that comes with the character that we don't have. And so I think it's important and it makes a I think like I said, I think it makes a better game overall if everyone's allowed to collaborate a little bit. And I, I think I've made this stance a few times in yeah, different for sure. episodes where like your character is more fully realized when you have more information that might be relevant. Cause then you might hear a different perspective. Be like, I don't think that's something my character would think of, but now that you know that, you know, to not think that way, you know, to like, okay, I got to move away from that direction because that's yeah. wrong. Well, I mean, you as the player are probably not going to be, well-versed in military tactics or interstellar oh, yeah. travel or combat and how, how magic works, but your character is presupposed to be those things. So mm-hmm. honestly, you really do need, yeah, you do need that whole village to raise the child that is your character uh, yeah. if you want to be able to play it effectively. If you're playing, you know, 18 intelligence wizard, odds are you as a player, Simi, are not an 18 intelligence wizard. Right? Uh, I don't you know? know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying what uh, I've heard. I don't know. You know. I mean, I mean, I don't know that you've heard much. It's been the, in, up in the frozen wasteland of the north. Yeah, with the polar vortex. <laughs> the other day yeah. it dropped down pretty cold. I think with the wind chill it was about minus twenty six. 
Celsius. I saw, a, I saw a, a kind of a it was a several clips of a video mm-hmm. of a guy like talking about oh I love Canada and it clips to the next one and you can see like the perspiration is beer yeah so it's a great place and beautiful building and clips to the next one he's like I love being here there's nothing at all wrong he looks at the camera and it's just ice all up in his beer and I'm like I know that feeling ice and <laughs> you know uh, when I was a kid we used to have to wear a scarf when we were going outside um, and your breath sort of goes up onto the uh, uh, you know rises up through the crack in the mm-hmm. scarf in your face and that condensation on your eyelashes and then when you close your eyes and the the oh. uh, the water freezes and your eyelashes are actually freeze together <laughs> and you just have to reach up with your fingers and just gently pinch the pinch the uh the frozen tears off of there yeah. yeah, I went to the I went to the store today, and it was cold enough that I was breathing. My beard got wet, and it started to crystallize just before I got in the store. Yeah, I was like, "That sucks. <laughs> I hate this kind of weather." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like we're 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 varying a little off topic. What? I think it's fine. I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> we were I, talking I about meteorology, Timmy. I'm pretty I think sure it's all important. Oh, I meant even before that. <laughs> I think it's all important to considering your character and how they connect to things and how they connect mm-hmm. to other players, because it's too easy to feel like you have to build it in a vacuum. You have to do all the work. And I think that is a dangerous mentality for yeah role players in general. Like even, even LARPing from what I understand, okay. there is some uh, give and take. You, you might have some, uh, what's it, man, what's the word debate? No discussion. Something. There's a In, word. Interlocution. <laughs> I can't. I, I know it's gonna be. It's, it's it's gonna it's gonna come to me at some point, and I'm gonna be like, I'm an idiot. So I'm just gonna leave it right here to cut that in. It's at about three in the morning. You're gonna wake up and you're gonna be. Like, That's the word. Then you re- get up, run to the computer, record it, splice it in. So you're gonna be. You know, it's like when you're a player LARPing, and even then, there's a. <laughs> Now I need to do that. I just need to go back and just... <laughs> it turns out it was interlocution all along. There is there is a give and take with any of this. And yeah. it's I think it's why less mechanically driven, more narratively driven games are becoming popular. These smaller games where you kind of have a give and take with the person running it or with the other players, they're becoming more popular because they they naturally include these kind of things. But I think if you like if you're like me and you love mechanically driven games as well, you can do that still and you should do that still. It's a it's not the best way to play because mm-hmm. no way of playing is wrong. But I yeah. think it's a more rewarding way to play overall because yeah. you, you not only develop your character, you not only tell the story, but you you work with other people. It collaborative. I mean that's what you, that's the whole point of it to be yeah, collaborative exactly. with it. A certain degree of agency, a certain degree of ownership over the story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and it, it makes it makes people enjoy the story more. I, I played with two players for months and they were loving it. We had maybe three combats over yeah. months of play. And we play six hours at a time every other week. Mm-hmm. So like we're not it's not like these are short sessions. Right. It was almost all role play. But because they had this discussion, because they were influencing things, because they were able to talk through some of the weird things they were discovering and who to share what with. And one of the players was like, oh, this person's being a butthead. I'm going to plant one of my unique coins on them. So that way, at one point, I can point them like, hey, he stole from me. I can prove it. He's got it in his pouch. And I'm like, that's a butthead thing to do. And I love it. Keep doing it. Yeah. (laughs) 
but it gives you this freedom even in a we're playing pathfinder Mm -hmm. so even in a mechanically driven game like pathfinder you can have these moments that are narrative and that build a character in a world in a story yeah yeah for sure and i mean ultimately if your character is not connected to the world what is the point you're not going to feel like any of the events of the story really matter unless mm-hmm. you're unless you have some sense of connection oh, it's yeah. i mean that's the same like if you think about television if you as um if you as the viewer don't feel some kind of connection to the characters then you don't care what happens to them if you don't feel some kind of connection to your player character you don't care what happens to them if your character is not connected to the world your character won't care about what's happening in the world quantum leap is a perfect example of this okay because he leaps in and knows nothing about what's going on really Mm -hmm. and knows nothing about the person he is so in order to complete whatever he needs to do he has to connect with his setting his world in that moment so he gets information from uh al and ziggy yep and they tell him okay here's what's happening right now and here's you know how you might react and he doesn't always do those things. Sometimes he goes with his gut and says, no, no, this seems right. Yeah. Exactly. It's the perfect yeah. analogy for what we're talking about here. Like, just because you are connected to the world doesn't mean you have to do things differently sure. than what you want. Yeah, it doesn't and, presuppose a course of action. Yeah. So you can still be a unique character, even if you're playing to a certain archetype are you doing asmr content over there or are you i just could if you it? like what do you think i, I don't know I, either you're really heavily breathing over there or your beard's brushing against it no it's the, really distracting the it's getting a little warm moving. in here yeah Ooh, all right <laughs> cut that feature chris the microphone's moving there can i ask like you, you what did room? what did you think of the ending of quantum leap oh. the final title card or the final card i wish they hadn't i love it i honestly love it because to me, I understand why they did it. It was a cop-out because they just couldn't continue the show. I get that. Right. But to me, I love it. You have this guy who's been working so hard to do good to, for all these lives that he's touched in order to just persevere to the point where he can head home. And then when he gets to the end, he has a choice. And in the end, he decides to sacrifice his own, his own life, if you will. In order to continue to help people. I love that ending. I thought it was really cool. It was poorly now, done, but it was a really yes. good ending. That that's I want yeah, I wanted to clarify. I just hate how it was done. Sure. You would like to see him make that decision on screen. Yes. And and I, I think it sours it even more because every season it has been about him and every episode starts with Hoping the, the next, next one will be the leap, will be the one that takes him home. And she always says and she has just that hint of emotion. Well, the next leap will be the leap home. Yeah. So so every episode, and I, I actually a couple of mm-hmm. winters ago or a couple of Christmases ago got the box set and watched through it all. Um, okay. But that was that was the part I think that made it frustrating for for him to to. I think I would have rather been left on a cliffhanger than have a title card say, "Oh yeah." And uh, he chose this. I Bye. love. I do love it, but I, I think it would have been better the if choice. they could. Yeah, if they had shown him make the choice, if they had shown him saying, you know, Sam, this is uh, Al saying, Sam, this is your chance. You can come home, but then mm-hmm. you know, have him stop and consider the weight of all the lives that he has helped, and how many more he could help, how many people yeah. he could save. If you had that moment, 
of Scott Bakula with the the weight of that decision on his face, then that would have been better. They actually, because of the way they left it, they have they could totally bring Quantum Leap back with him still as the main character. Yeah. Because it says he was never seen again because he never returned to that future time. So that means he could just keep, they could just start him back up, older Scott Bakula, leaping and doing stuff. Alternately, you have the show, didn't he have a family? He had a uh, wife. I don't know if he had kids or not. I don't remember that. What if I know he had a wife. What if it's her story and she's now leaping through time to find him? That would, I mean, yeah, that could be interesting. Or make it, maybe make it her story with, you know, but then oh. eventually connect with him. And maybe... Oh, you know what? I think he did leap back once, but what I think he leapt back and Al ended up getting thrown out somehow. I do remember that. And, and I think there was a whole thing where he was with his wife and they kind of implied she might have gotten pregnant from that. So it could be his kids. Yeah, could be his kid or or his wife or the you know family working together to rescue their lost husband. And then when they finally meet him, they realize that he made the decision. That'd be pretty dramatic, hey? Oh, that he made be... a decision to save hundreds of lives knowing that it would forever, well, maybe not forever, but that it would injure his family emotionally. And there is precedent for other leapers because he had a whole thing where he yeah, that's ran right. into... The Dark Leaper, I think, is what they call they call her in the notes. Okay. She was uh, trying to set things wrong what once went right. <laughs> We're always hoping that the next leap will be the leap home. <laughs> oh. I've been doing the devil's work for, it feels like, forever. I just want to go home. I've been trying to ruin everything. Can I just go home? <laughs> Look, we, I, I basically started a nuclear war. Have I done my job? Please, come on. <laughs> Yeah, that was, I mean, I, re I remember that episode. That was a dark episode, too. Anyway, we're not even talking about role-playing anymore. <laughs> Quantum Leap, the role-playing game? I mean, maybe we could, are. Maybe we are. That, it could be a lot of fun. Actually, I have the perfect player for that kind of game because he always wants to change his character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, you're playing this character now. <laughs> Can I play That'd this? Well, I guess that's what you're playing now. <laughs> but I think... Since we're clearly done with our topic, it's <laughs> yeah, time for... Clearly. Obviously, that's the reason we moved on. <laughs> it's time for Adventure Assemble! Adventures assembling, shining like the sun, raining down like fun, as we assemble adventures. Like butterflies. Yeah, good luck finding something to do with that. I mean, I've worked, I've done more with less. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be some awful seventy easy listening kind of noise. I think I'll just find. I'll, no, I'll just find some medieval like lute strumming. Ah, no. <laughs> it sounds better than what I was aiming for. I was thinking like if you get well, that's like what a, I do. I a 70s folk guitar, you know. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Ah, I wonder if I could flatten your inflection enough to make it sound like more spoken word. Maybe. <laughs> that's what you should do sometimes. Does... And then I could just have some random snaps and claps in there. Oh, yeah. Beat poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Adventure. Assemble. We all come together. Roll the dice. Oh, except if I do that, then you're going to full-on William Shatner me. And it's like, why is he speaking when there's obviously a full-on song going in the background? 
Dang it, you saw through my plan. <laughs> hey, if you ever have a chance to look at William Shatner's uh, cover of Common People, it is so good. It is I'm good in a sure way that doesn't make sense. Once. I mean, it yeah, shouldn't work, like, but you're like, this is, dang, it works. I was like, I don't like anything about this. It makes me so uncomfortable. So, so we have been revisiting an old location, the, mm-hmm. the meteor site. Yes. Broken lands. Where the uh, the fallen star satellite had cracked the Earth, causing yep. severe damage. And uh, we as time I recall, skipped a little bit forward. Yeah. You know, we're no clear indication how far yet. The Definitely future. more than a year, I would right. say. Because we have essentially a shanty town and people looking into the phenomenon happening here. Yeah, so I think have... I think we gotta think of it more like a frontier town. Right. But instead of new lands, this is new research. But you've got that kind of I think that there's probably areas where there's a solid Wild West feel of people jockeying for position to try and uh, be the next one to get in there to to really figure it out. Kind of like the railroads in the Wild West, that kind of deal. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think I think you got several different, different main cultures. camps with yeah. like a couple almost full on town type areas where right. like a market or a caravan hub have sprung up yeah because i imagine this is a big area sure i mean this is maybe having one on either side helps this is a literally a world shaking discovery right yeah world shaking physics breaking i mean it did everything yeah the alien life um revealing life from under the planet with you know the previously existing uh doppelgangers some of which were mutated, I recall, into mimics or something like that. I don't even know. I don't think we were entirely consistent, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> well, what what was ha- what had happened was we had figured out that there was a Knoll band coming to search out Goron Hachismo, the, the Baker the Barbarian. Half, yeah, the half Knoll, half Knoll Baker Barbarian. Right, because they disappeared. They, yeah, they haven't. She, yeah, she come was. Back. She died. Uh, we helping out. Uh, what the heck was that? I only remember Fizzgig, Salitkick Fizzgig or something was the gnomish oh, yeah, no, name. Cause, cause, what was cause the wizard's name? With the, the wi- <sighs> oh, oh, it was like Core or something. Krolmanite. Krolmanite. It was. I knew it was something awful and yeah. memorable. Krolmanite, the wizard, and and it was like Jeffrey the accountant or something like that. Yeah, Frank from accounting. <laughs> Yeah, something. I think that's what we called him. It might have been Frank. I don't know that that was Frank. I don't know that that was actually been Frank. Okay, good, good. I'm not. I'm not going to look it up because clearly, I mean, it's it's in the wiki. Yeah. If you don't know where the wiki is, that's not my problem. You can find it at dot uh, com. <laughs> exactly. It was perfectly clear, and I didn't even say it. Okay. So then, last time we found out that an ex adventurer. A Firbolg druid was giving the Celestial Book of Aristos, Aristos to be delivered to the dwarven encampment around this circle. Good bit now, of home. Right. I don't remember if they're bringing it. Or <laughs> I don't if they... remember much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Or if they're giving it to our characters to bring and we're going to intersect with the Null Band. I don't remember how that's all playing out. I just mm. remember that the Celestial Book we, th- we had decided was intended to be a counterpoint to the slab of malediction right they they heard the slab of malediction was being used so the celestial book is being out there to sort of offset that right to somehow contain or restrain its power 
because um, surely the slab of malediction being in proximity to the the fallen star um, is not going to be good. Right? Yes. Sort of creates so a whole volatile we, situation. So we kind of have these three converging elements coming to this this crater area. We have the Knoll Band. We have our people, I think, bringing the book of Aristos. Mm-hmm. And we have, uh, what's his face? Edith. No. Uh, no. Um, the elf. Varial? Varial. With the slab. Yeah. yeah. So, because he's on, he was kind of, he was on a boat licking his wounds from the last thing. Mm-hmm. And we, we decided he was going to be moving this direction as well. Now, that was years ago, and we don't know exactly where he's gotten to. That's true. I keep yeah. forgetting. I, I say it and then I forget it. And yeah. I say it and I forget it. <laughs> but I mean, they they know that he was heading here some time ago and then they kind of lost track of what's been going on. So it's like, we have to assume the worst. Let's, uh, let's send the book. So now we have these elements all moving in. Let's throw a plot twist in. Why don't you get me a D10? I have a D10. Okay. It's green because it, it's the only set of dice I have with me right now. Nobody cares. Roll. Green with green specs. White lettering. I'm going to keep generating more twists until you give me a number. Three. Oh, this works out. Oh my gosh, this works out perfect. Suspiciously well. The twist is, mm-hmm. we discover that once a specific quote is analyzed, that a character is an artificial life form. <laughs> that is ridiculously perfect to what we have going on here. Because when... we did say that something, maybe activating the slab, something had caused this dormant area to start maybe acting again. But maybe it's acting in a different way. Maybe instead of this kind of rapid expansion, okay. it's creating a life. It created a life form to insinuate among the people and try and figure out how to accomplish whatever its task actually is. So, do we assume then the book uh, is the quote coming from the book or from the slab? I don't know. How about we flip a coin? Sure. Um, I, don't I don't have a coin. coin. <laughs> <laughs> Even so, that is the slab because that's the one I said second. So, <laughs> wow, that was like as random as it could possibly get. No, it's fun, not random. I, a randomizer. Not random. And I then rolled you a die. Selected based I on random die. <laughs> so they've determined that if something is read, if a quote is read from the slab, because I'm assuming the dwarves had been studying the slab for quite a long time even mm-hmm. though they were narrow-minded in their pursuit of what it could do. I assume that once it got taken from them, they started trying to re, you know, double down on their efforts to figure out, okay, what are the elves going to use this for? Because clearly they're thinking of something that we didn't. Mm-hmm. And now we possibly using the Book of Aristos as um, like a deciphering tool. They've, they have come to the conclusion that certain part of the writings on the Slab of Malediction will reveal something to be an artificial life form what if what if the book and the slab are meant to be used together what if each is half of a whole Mm -hmm. and so it's it's finding the right two pieces that fit and it doesn't necessarily specifically reveal artificial life Mm -hmm. it reveals like a true nature of something and so that on it in its way reveals things this gives us a, a bit to maybe throw some chaos out there if the null band gets here it, it'll reveal that oh wait nobody in here knows what's going on if um the evil elf if if Varial's there or one of his agents are there it'll reveal this 
sector of elves that are doing things hmm. it it can cre- it'll it'll just create chaos but it also will reveal nothing on this artificial person and that in its non-revealing way will show like hey uh this is different. this is not right either yeah and and i think that can i mean that chaos and that fear can could be used by the evil fa- faction to be like this is what we're trying to protect you from ah and yeah we know, still I, haven't figured out what exactly the evil elves are all about either yeah we all we know for sure is they are collecting power for yeah. some purpose some mysterious purpose yeah and i i think the the twist here is is the is fi- realizing that these two things need to work together because what we did, what we said with the slab of malediction was that trying to use it he he was basically blindly activating it mm-hmm. and it wasn't necessarily acting in the way it was intended so, so it was causing magical chaos so how are the book and the slab related then cuz why did no one realize before that the two were connected well i think what we said last time was that the it, the slab was kind of in its place and the book was used in rituals with it so i okay. think it was one of those things where they stumbled upon the right mix of things it might even be an an old gods type thing where they they were told to do a certain thing or they things were going crazy they found this book were just randomly reading stuff out of it and then all of a sudden they got a quote unquote sign from the gods and things calmed so then they just codified that we always need when these signs happen read these passages and it calms things and so it could just be okay. kind of like yeah i, I so the I slab like of malediction is something ancient beyond understanding and yes. the book of aristos is basically an almanac on how to <laughs> use it to a limited effect without fully understanding what it is that they're doing you know since we have this this satellite that is future tech what if the slab is like a weather control device and the book is the owner's manual? <laughs> Maybe. I mean And they're just like it's in a language nobody understands. Like the the runes on, on the slab of malediction mm-hmm. are really just like the various activation buttons or like the 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 script that here you know to do this say this or to do this do these. You know, I think one day we're eventually gonna roll the purpose and powers of the slab of malediction. And that's probably <laughs> going to clear a lot of things up for us. <laughs> yeah. One day we're going to be like, there it is. We got it. Oh, <laughs> we got it. Oh, that's it. Angry that's all it was all along. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, that's disappointing. We're going to find out it was just stone and someone was messing with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just a special effect stone. That's, that's what's going to happen. One of these days we're going to roll up. You find out a deity has been playing a prank on you. <laughs> Damn, I, like, you know, I kind of, I think I kind of expected that. Yeah, <laughs> it's re- really not that shocking now that I think about it. Yeah. Now that we've pre-planned it, we definitely yeah. will never roll it. <laughs> All right, so, let me copy this so I don't lose it. And so next week we have to figure out who's involved and why. Yes, did you? I, I can't remember if you said you had someone. I think I might have said that. But I don't think it's true. Uh, no, because I don't think I did. Not yet. This is, um, we know that Goran Hachismo is involved only in uh, in absentia, uh, you know, as a plot uh, point at this point. So no, yeah. I don't think I had a character lined up for this one. Okay. But I'll, I'll figure something out between now and then for sure. Probably. Oh, you don't, you don't want to figure it out right now? 
You know what? Because usually, usually this third one is where we'd say who's going on this quest. All right, give me one quick moment here. You don't have to. I mean, we don't have to follow our established, expected timeline and framework that we always follow and never divert from ever. But I mean, that's your choice, I guess. Whatever. All right. Well, you know what? I think we're going to figure it out right now. I have my person. Okay. Um, you know what? I think I have an idea, but I, I um, I don't know how far I should push it. Okay, let me tell you what I've got, yep. and then you kind of consider. So I have a female dwarf, a young one at 40 years old. She is a sorcerer, a youngish sorcerer who is relatively new to the, the craft. Okay. It's like. And I think she is an apprentice, is what I'm going to go with here. Ingra, the dwarf sorcerer, an apprentice to a researcher here. Okay. Okay. So, okay, yeah, yeah. So so when, once we know your character, we'll know how to put them in contact with Idris and get them to do the book. Uh, okay. Well, this won't hey, work. Um, no, hey, no, don't say that. We've, we've worked, we've done more with less. Go ahead. A delightful corgi that loves fancy parties. They want to be a better person, but they're afraid of fluffy animals. <laughs> Wait, what? It's a corgi who's afraid of fluffy animals? Yeah. <laughs> so but, don't show them up here. <laughs> a corgi that loves fancy parties. They want to be a better person, but they're you know afraid of fluffy animals. The gnolls are fluffy animals. You know what? I think what we have here... Back in the early days, before the the establish the settlement was actually established around the broken lands, there were still people who would wander in into the the affected area without any real knowledge of what was going on, without adequate precautions, and they were mm -hmm. bathed in the sort of mutagenic properties of the radiation coming from the satellite. Because we know it's all about uh, modifying things, right? Yes. One such person was an explorer, uh, a researcher who was traveling with just traveling with a pet. <laughs> now, that person is dead because they were exposed to something that uh, caused rapid mutation. Mm. Basically, a techno-organic virus that caused rapid mutation and hyper-evolution, which was fatal to an already evolved uh, humanoid on this world, but basically resulted in a corgi with a... With basically human level intelligence okay this corgi loves fancy parties and wants to be a better person <laughs> and is afraid of fluffy animals because they remind him of what he used to be <laughs> it's not what i was expecting um i'm assuming you use some kind of random generator for that <laughs> yes i yes i did you know, and I, I have to I have to clarify that because that is totally something you could come up with off the cuff because you you I are very I random could. like that. <laughs> a delightful corgi. A delightful corgi found his way back. Oh gosh, I'm sure glad to be back from the broken lands. By the way, I can talk now. Uh that's weird, <laughs> right? It's weird. I think it's weird. You look like you could be my friend. <laughs> so so maybe that's our connection then. So so being an animal. Mhm. Mm with intelligence, you are a natural channel for this uh, Edris, Idris. Oh, okay. She was she she was trying to find someone who could take this book, and you showed up, 
And at the same time, Ingra was being sent for by her master. Her master went to study and wanted to get established, didn't want to bring a half, you know, barely trained person out into the, what was essentially a dangerous area. Right. So wanted to establish their area. So they kind of cross paths. They're both heading the same direction. And I mean, the Corgi needs someone who can, you know, maybe carry a book for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, you know, opposable thumbs could possibly help. Yeah. I'm assuming it's just a just regular a corgi. corgi who's smart now. Yeah, no, not a not 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 a hominid, no uh, <laughs> opposable thumbs, but is more familiar with the broken lands than many people, having yeah. basically found his way back from there. And your appearance can actually work for you in this. Because no one expects the dwarven sorceress apprentice with a little corgi to be the one carrying the, <laughs> the dang book of Aristos around. Yeah, and I think I think the I think Idris or Edris I I can't remember how we said it the first Idris time. Elba Idris Elba yeah <laughs> yes now 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 our door now our druid for old druid Edis. is Idris Elba is Idris Elba <laughs> okay played by Idris Elba so what I hear you saying is that you're going to have Idris Elba in the next episode of the podcast right perfect oh, yeah that's awesome. Definitely. He's definitely going to be on, and he's going to voice them for us. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That's definitely not going to be a disappointment. Definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. I'm definitely not going to think about finding words and stuff <laughs> yeah. him and splicing that all together and then just not do that because it's way too much work. <laughs> just break down in tears. <laughs> I had a joke, and it just was awful. It's too far for a joke. <laughs> I put in so much work. I got no sleep this week. <laughs> Yeah, so so I think I think loves Edith fancy kind of, parties though. <laughs> loves fancy parties. Maybe that's a maybe that's a that's an aspect of your former life. Yeah, you're, a, you're a wealthy a, a wealthy adventurer like a, a you know a rich count or sort of thing used to go to um, fancy parties and used to go on these daring adventures and then come back and tell tales among the other arist- uh, aristocracy along, if, with the corgi oh, alongside them. What if? The story you you kind of do a uh, what's his face from the second Harry Potter book. Hmm? Uh, what's oh which what's his face? Joe, the the guy who made up stories and was but charmed people and stole their stories. Y- uh, Kenneth Branagh. Lock Lock <laughs> Gilderoy Lock Lockhart. Lockhart, there it is. Lockjoy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was close. Should have I mean, just heart, said Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know that's who that was. He played it in the in the movie. Clearly not in the book. Yeah, I don't think I needed to clarify <laughs> he that. In the but... book. <laughs> I'm gonna play the I'm gonna play the music from the book. <laughs> yeah, I do the soundtrack to the Harry Potter novels. I don't mean to brag, but uh, it's pretty good. I can play it all with no hands. That's it. <laughs> but no, I I think I think you have a similar story where maybe you you exaggerate the adventures that you went on, and then finally someone called you on it. You mean the like, advent- no, no. the advent- the adventurer, not the corgi. The corgi was legitimately like just a yeah, dog. Well, yeah, He's yeah. like, I, this I person, did not sign up for this. The reason you ended up in this super dangerous place is because mm. you spent so- the former person spent so long like building up the reputation with lies that someone called them on it and was oh, like, okay, yeah. well, fine, do this. And you, so like, people aren't supposed to go here. People understand how dangerous it is. Yeah. And yeah, some people still do it, but no one ever returns. Mm-hmm. And so. You get pushed to do it. You're like, oh, I've done it before. I'll do it again. And then they come and watch you and you don't return and you don't return. They finally go away. And then eventually this little Corgi kind of like waddles out. Igor the Corgi. <laughs> Igor. 
<laughs> Igor the Corgi. Igor and Ingra. <laughs> Igor Corgi. Yep. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, sorry. Did I spell that wrong? Oh, there are different ways to spell it. Sure. <laughs> Instead of E-girl, it's Igor. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we will see how that all plays out yeah, next time. <laughs> I'm curious to find out myself because I don't know. I do not. I mean, know. we did say it's come. It's it's kind of like a, a western type town. I was going. Maybe I was hoping to come parties. up with something edgy and serious for a change, after Gora and Hachismo and some of the other nonsense that I pulled. Uh, this was not that. <laughs> this was I mean, the I random. The problem here is that Gora and Hachismo is baked into this version as well. Half baked <laughs> into this. Oh, half and half baked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's half baked and then half. He's he's half twice baked. Twice half baked. Um, double demi baked. I don't think that's the way it works. I think we oh have gone as far as we can here, though. I think we've gone farther than we should have. So I think, unless you have anything else to add. Oh, I probably better not. Yeah, I feel like I've yeah. added just enough. Maybe, maybe I should have stopped a little while ago. Yeah. So I think we done. We is done. Scratch. Record. A record scratch. Oh, wait, I gotta count.